Hi, I'm April. I'm Mara. And I'm Jim, and this is Topic Lords, the only place on the internet you're going to hear topics discussed. April, would you like to introduce yourself, or do you have anything to plug? Once again, I'm going to plug the TV show and book series The Expanse by James S.A. Corey. It's very good. Everyone should watch it if you like stuff that happens in space. Expanse. Bigger than before. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. The last book in the series, book number nine, will be coming out in September. That's very exciting. It is exciting. Yeah. How about you, Mara? Do you have anything to plug? Uh, One of my best friends, Casey Watts, has recently written an applied psychology book that is very short, very digestible, and it uses uh, software development metaphors to introduce strategies for things like interrupting negative thought spirals or or intrusive thought patterns or things like that. So basically it's like a developer's guide to cognitive behavioral therapy. It's really interesting hmm. and it's available wherever you buy books or audiobooks. Wow. What's it called? Debugging Your Brain hmm. by Casey Watts. Yeah, that does sound interesting. Uh, are we ready to start on some topics? Do you have anything to plug, Jim? I plug the the podcast Topic Lords which you're listening to right now. Oh my goodness. Okay. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> I mean, what do I, what, what's a thing I like? You could plug your own video game, you know. Oh, I do like that. <laughs> uh, I, uh, you can buy Frog Fractions on Steam. It's free, and there's a downloadable hat DLC that's uh-huh. not free. Uh-huh. You could give our family money by buying it. That's right. We get some of that money. If you uh, type the cheat code TB Terror, the hat can be a witch hat. <gasps> I didn't know that. <laughs> I didn't know that either. Why didn't I ever play in witch hat mode? Oh, uh, I didn't. I, I guess I didn't tell you about it. Oh my God. It also just happens if you play on Halloween. It's that's amazing. I know. I'm great. Wow. Yeah, you married me. I know. <laughs> April, your first topic is Frog and Toad Core. Okay. <laughs> so, Mara, have you heard of Cottage Core? I have. Yes. So I was explaining to Jim today on the on the car ride home about cottage core because he was like, "What's frog and toad core?" And I was like, "Oh, you know, it's like cottage core, but frog and toad core." Um, sure, sure. Which didn't didn't help him. So I guess for the listeners, like cottage core <laughs> is like an Instagram aesthetic, basically. I mean, I I suppose it's just an aesthetic for like life, but like I I see it the most on Instagram, and so that's how I know about it. It's like woodland cottage aesthetics of like soft floral patterns and you know like country gardens and like pretty girls walking through fields of flowers in the in the forest wearing like pretty dresses like it's just this like kind of like very like summery feminine floral aesthetic i you know i like that I'm into that. That's cool. But then I heard about Frog and Toad Core, which is really just like kind of like that, but like turning it a little bit more like frumpy vests made with mismatched buttons. A little bit less put together. Less, yeah, a little bit more like just a little more scruffy, basically, you know, and a little bit more masculine. Yeah, merged with like an old man. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Sort of. it's, so it's still like the kind of like cottage aesthetic, but less feminine and a little bit more like frumpy old man, you know, like pipes and sweater vests and, you know, high-waisted slacks. And, it, and if the listeners don't know what Frog and Toad is, it's a series of books <laughs> written for very young children to read. Like this is like one of those I can read books for four-year-olds and the stories are all about this pair of friends, Frog and Toad, and their adventures in the wilderness together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're very relatable. They are. They are. They're- Even though we don't live in the wilderness, somehow it's still relatable. Yeah, there's this one story. We we recently got one of these books for, for Winston. Jim picked it up for him. And there's this one story about how Toad gets sad when it's like mail delivery time because no one's ever written him a letter. And so then Frog goes home and like writes him a letter and then gives it to a snail to deliver and then goes to Toad's <laughs> house and is like, hey, let's go sit out on the porch and wait for the mail to come. And Toad is just like kind of depressed and is like, no, there's never any mail. And he's like, no, but there's there's going to be mail. And Toad's like, how do you know? 
And Frog says, well, because I wrote you a letter. <laughs> and then he tells him exactly what the letter <laughs> says. And then they wait for like four days <laughs> because the snail is a snail. Right. It takes forever to deliver the letter. It's it's very it's very wholesome. Yeah. It's good stuff. Yeah, I've actually seen a lot of like um frog and toad media recently for Pride Month. Mm, oh, really? Like like me- memes about it. There are a lot of like visuals around intimate friendships that that come up around this time. I think it's interesting that it's kind of uh been lovingly embraced by this pride on the internet sort of community. Yeah, I definitely think there's definitely like there's been a like frog and toad renaissance recently. Mm. Yeah. I, I honestly I think LGBT people tend to identify with animals more than they do with other people. Possibly because so much of the way the rest of society treats them treats them makes them feel like they're not human. So they start to identify with non human things. And that's how furries happen. Like in, in a defensive way. I mean, I think that is part of it, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Huh. That's that's really interesting. Despite- Granted, I'm not a furry, so I can't actually say this with any uh, authority. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> Despite like not having any like I have you know I have queer friends, but I am. You have a just, queer wife. I have. A, that's right. <laughs> Uh, despite not really like, like I have a totally like heterosis perspective, but the, the LGBT community loves frog fractions. They love the, the new game and I'm not, for whatever reason, it really resonated with the queer community. Maybe this is something specific about frogs then. Maybe we can just like all agree that, yeah. that frogs are <laughs> queer icons. Yeah. <laughs> and call it a day. Along with what, that, that horror movie, uh, monster. Um, uh, the Babadook. Yeah, the Babadook. Frogs and the Babadook. Yeah, but I, mean, I guess I guess <laughs> it might also be that like I just never like I guess I use I give hop pronouns, but I never really express any sort of uh, sexual identity for him or for any of the other characters really. So like you can you can put whatever identity you want in there. Like I remember listening to a podcast where. About um, bodice rippers, where there was a black girl talking about how when she was a kid, she would find the ones with the people with the dark curly hair on the cover because she could say, okay, those are just really light-skinned black people. Hmm. But anyways, frog and toad core. (laughs) Yeah. I'm into it. It's a core. I'm into it as well, and we're going to move to Vermont later. Maybe so. we'll see. Whoa! So we can we can live that life. Wait, Mara, where do you guys live? <laughs> we live in Connecticut. Connecticut. We just bought a house in Rocky Hill, which is like smack in the middle of the state. Mm. Is Connecticut nice? Connecticut is very nice. Yeah, I like it quite a bit. I know. I also like Vermont. Is it close to Vermont? I mean, all of New England is very close together compared to <laughs> what you guys are used to in California. True. Yeah, yeah. I could drive to Canada in less time than it would take you to drive to LA. <laughs> okay. Yeah. All right. I'm not kidding. <laughs> so, <laughs> if we were in Vermont, it doesn't mean we could like visit you every week. No, not every week, but you know, it's definitely close enough for occasional visits, certainly more than now. That's fair. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, Vermont is just an idea. It just. They're all just ideas right now. They're all now. just ideas right now, but we're we're hoping to get out of California soon before it burns down. I heard the fire season is not looking great. No, not great. Not great this year. We'll see. We'll see what happens. We're getting our go bags ready. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so that's one thing. In Connecticut, you don't need go bags. Pretty much nothing you need go bags for. And this is true in Vermont as well. You don't have you don't have hurricanes there? No. Sandy came up as like a tropical storm. Okay. All right. But it's very unusual. Um, and I don't think Vermont got it at all. Connecticut got some of it, but not not bad. No earthquakes, not a lot of flooding. Yeah. Not a lot of fires. No tornadoes. No tornadoes. Uh, we get blizzards, Ooh. but not as bad as some other parts of the country. You have to have the uh, the chains you put on your tires. I don't. I've never had. I've never done that. I don't know how to do it. I would probably like look really stupid trying to figure that out. Do you just not leave the house when it snows? No, I just drive 
down the highway to work in my little 2005 Toyota Prius and pray to Flying Spaghetti Monster that it works out. Cool. And so far, so good. We didn't uh, choose the topic where uh, we talk about the time we almost <laughs> died but didn't realize till later. But like, you know, anytime you're in a car basically qualifies. <laughs> Yeah, and for sure, there are definitely some harrowing experiences for anyone who has driven on snow or ice for any amount of time. But yeah, probably less harrowing than trying to like some of the footage I've seen of trying to escape wild, like encroaching wildfires. Yeah, yeah. thankfully that's never happened to us, but you never know. Could maybe this year. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> Fingers crossed. No. Are <laughs> uh, we ready for another topic? Yeah. Sure. Mara, your topic is, what would you do with a bonus room in your house? Oh, wow. My short-term memory is shot. I can't remember if I just mentioned this or not, but my family and I, my partner and I and our child just bought a house after like great difficulty and frustration and like- Wait, did you buy this with your parents? Is that what you just said? No, no. With my partner. Okay. Yeah. Just us and and Riker, obviously. Riker is my child. Um, <laughs> How much did Riker contribute? <laughs> Riker Riker contributed a winning attitude. And I have to say... That's not nothing. That when we were submitting offers... Because we had to submit multiple offers to like different places. This was not the first house we tried to buy. Uh -huh. When we were submitting offers, we always wrote a letter that was like, Dear owner of the house... We love your house, and we have an adorable child who just needs a home. <laughs> Please house our child. <laughs> so, so in that that's, sense, Riker really did contribute. That's yeah, fair. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but anyway, so now we have a house, or we will have a house when we close, which is soon. Um, and we have been living in a 1,100-square-foot, 1,000-square-foot, I don't know, something like that apartment for – so long and now we have double that amount of space and it's kind of like uh, exhilarating but also a little daunting like what do we do with it all how do we organize it all oh yeah yeah you know one of the things is that we're we're trying to sort of like think about rooms creatively so like the downstairs has two living room areas and we're like we don't need two living rooms so we're gonna turn one of them into a library yeah we don't know a lot of people and haven't been in a lot of houses that have like dedicated libraries it's kind of this austenian fantasy that we've both been you know cherishing in our bosoms for <laughs> yeah. for a long time absolutely a library that's what i was definitely gonna say right so now we're trying to figure out how to like craft the perfect cozy library with very little roadmap for how it's not like we're copying what we've seen in our parents' houses, right? Like the world is our oyster. Yeah. So, okay. I've got some ideas for you. Okay. I'm excited. You definitely need at least two like deep comfy chairs. They're just chairs, not couches. Because mm. Because reading in the library is a, like a solo experience, even if there's another person in there. It's got to chair, be, it's chairs, be chairs. The, chairs that trap people. Uh-huh. That kind of chair. And maybe with footstools. <laughs> and they each need to have their own reading lamp, like next to the chair. Mm. Because it's nice to have your own like pool of light to read by, you know? Yeah, I can see that. So I think that's really important. And then you really do want to have just like floor to ceiling bookshelves. And... And if you have the space to put in a window seat, I would suggest putting in a window seat. Yeah. So there's a bay window, but it's a little shallow for that. Okay. What I would really like to do is have the sort of situation where we could put one of those like ladders on caster wheels. Yes. <laughs> that we could slide back and forth. Unfortunately, like, like Belle from Beauty and the Beast. Uh-huh. Right. This is what I'm imagining doing. I wake up every morning. Use it instead of a stripper pole. Oh, my God. <laughs> I wake up every morning, I walk into my library, and I sing my morning song in my bell outfit and, like, slide down the room Yes, on my library ladder. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, our ceilings are just, like, normal height, so it would be kind of stupid. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm not sure that matters. Here's what you do. You take – you get those little free libraries <laughs> – and you just attach them to the ceiling. Oh my goodness. 
So the only way to get the books in them is to use the ladder. Ooh, or we could put in shelf. I don't know how we would do this. We'd have to think about this, but I'm thinking of like suspended shelving, plexiglass or, or I don't know, something clear suspended from the ceiling so that you have shelves like up. Yeah. The other thing you could do is just get a ladder just for Riker to get the books from the shelves. I think that a big, a big wooden table would be nice too. Cause you might want to have like, it could, this could be your library, but it could also be like the spot where Riker does like his homework. I mean, it could aspirationally. I feel like, I don't know. When I was a teenager, I did all my homework, like, hunched up in my bed listening to, like, Fallout Boy or something like that. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't actually listen to Fallout Boy when I was a teenager, but you know what I mean. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I was probably actually listening to the Spice Girls, like, a decade too late, but we're not going to talk about that now. <laughs> right. Well, he's not going to be a teenager for a while. <laughs> That's right. Another option we could have for our fantasy library, I'm thinking, is, like, you know those booths? that have a fan in the bottom and you put like people in them and then you blow the fan up and there's money, there's like paper money and they have to grab it. So we could do that. But like with, with pages of a book that we just ripped out, yeah, you have to like grab a page and then whatever page you grab, you have to like try and find that book. (laughs) (laughs) That's very odd. (laughs) Okay. I'll save that for my escape room ideas folder all right yeah um i do really like the idea of having one of those in the house and then like whenever you need to i don't know when when you need to decide who's going to do the dishes you each write your name down yeah and then drop it into that booth you could also consider building a um one of those like bookshelf doors oh yeah the rotating ones with a secret room behind yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, that would be good. And you could definitely build one of those and just not show Riker until he's like eight. <laughs> or never show him and let him find it. Oh, yeah. That's good. Or you could uh, build a room back there and then rent it out. And imagine how much how much extra you could charge for a room that's behind a hidden bookshelf. <laughs> okay. If you were going to leave a secret room behind a bookshelf for your child to stumble upon, what book would be the lever that they would have to end up pulling? Well, it would depend on what age they were when they found it. You can't- you can't. Like you have to change the book as they grow up. Well, you can't pick that though. Right. No, you have to keep changing it as like, oh, every birthday you go in, here's your birthday present. I'm going to attach this lever to a different book. <laughs> Jim, you have to be practical about the rotating bookshelf- Lever mechanism. <laughs> okay, all right. Um, I don't know. It's. I feel like it should definitely be like one of the portal books, though. Oh, you know, like Alice in, in Wonderland, or well, maybe one of Sean and McGuire's uh, portal books. I can't remember the names of any of them right now. Every hearted doorway. That's one of them. You could also kind of control, maybe. Or try to control what age your child was when they discovered this by choosing a book that they wouldn't pull out of the shelf until they were a certain age. Uh huh. Yeah. But then, what if your kid like turns out to be one of those kids that hates reading? Well, then they'll never find the room. That's true. Yeah, uh, you could have it be (laughs) like what I would probably do is like a a video game hint book, like a. A secret guide to every all the secrets in Super Mario Galaxy. Mm. I feel like Riker would pull that off the shelf now. Yeah, yeah there you go. That really beautiful <laughs> Bloodborne guide. Oh yeah. Have you? Um, I, I saw uh, recently a, a, an image of it was a bunch of video game strategy guides that had been um, I, I forgot the word, but that had been included in the Library of Congress, and they had rebound them all. To have like real book bindings. And so they look like they're all like hardcovers from the early 20th century. That sounds like the Library of Congress. Yeah. That's a very typical library strategy. I mean, to to rebind the books. Unsurprisingly, those are called library bindings. Uh, That explains why I associate it with old books, because it's probably just books that libraries rebound. Yeah, I'm looking at the... I, I looked it up and I'm seeing the images now. And this looks like... 
every like university or national library has a bindery that creates bindings exactly like this. So if you <laughs> walked into any university library, you would see thousands of these. That's very good. It's it's pretty cool to have them like this though. And with it yeah, the juxtaposition of like the names <laughs> like the Doom Battle Book and Right. Bullfrog's official guide to Dungeon Keeper. <laughs> the room that I think about that realistically would be foolish because I don't have time for it is like a room that is full of like music production equipment and no internet connection. Like, because I, mm. when I make music, I make it on my laptop and my laptop has an internet connection. And so I just am immediately distracted from making music. But if I had like an old, uh, like an Atari ST, which, which had like, had like good MIDI capability and like a interesting selection of audio production software on it, like an ancient microcomputer. I just put that on a desk in there, hook that up to some, some synthesizers and jam out. And you go into that room when you're ready to disconnect, from, like legitimately disconnect from the world, which just basically never happens to me right now. Like even when I'm like ostensibly outdoors, like going on a walk, I could still get a text message. Yeah. Yeah. Except when you go for hikes with me in places that don't oh, yeah. have service. There is that. And I get all antsy. You do. Yeah. Yeah. Vermont is good for that, by the way. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Jim has a really hard time being disconnected. I think, you know, increasingly we all do now. You know, I, I'm constantly catching myself just like impulsively reaching for my phone. And there are several uh, several members of my family who wear headphones, who wear like earbuds in throughout most of the day. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm sitting next to one right now. <laughs> right. And I think, I think are at least probably getting notification sounds, if not anything else. And in fact, it's probably more like are listening to audiobooks or podcasts or music or whatever. But it is kind of hard to stay totally present when we have all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is, is something that like I, I struggle with with Riker because, I don't know, it, it is hard to get him to focus sometimes and it's hard to not feel like a hypocrite when I'm telling him to focus and then like I'm trying like trying to get him to come to the table and eat dinner and like focus on his food and talking to people and meanwhile like everybody else at the table all the adults have their phones at the table you know it's <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah it's hard to know how to deal with that I, I definitely will get annoyed with Jim if he is looking at his phone while we're having a meal because Winston has a hard time staying still because he's, you know, almost three mm-hmm. and he, the way he eats dinner, like, right. We we're trying to, you know, get him to like sit at the table and eat a meal with us. But really what he mostly does is he'll have a bite and then he'll run somewhere and like, and play with his car and then come running back to the table and have another bite. <laughs> That's uh, that's Riker. It doesn't get better, guys. Oh, great. <laughs> Excellent. So we're trying to, you know, like be present, at least with each other. But so often, you know, we feel like we need our phones in order to like unwind a little bit, I think, mm-hmm. like as a way to kind of just like zone out. Yeah. And so we, we both occasionally find ourselves reaching for them. We're working on it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, are we ready for another topic? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Uh, my topic is my reptile brain is a cat-loving ninja. This is a <laughs> a thing that happened. It was a while ago, but I still remember it pretty vividly. Was uh, one of our cats was lying next to uh, the kitchen table, and I don't remember how a chair was falling, but a chair was about to fall on this cat, and I was not able to like catch the chair, but what I was able to do, and this happened completely subconsciously, like without any sort of conscious decision-making or like calculation, was that I kicked one of the legs of the chair such that it the chair fell next to the cat instead of on top of the cat. Well done. <laughs> I, I, I felt very proud of myself, but also like I felt like I couldn't take credit for it at all because like I didn't do this. I didn't because, even decide. Yes, you did. I didn't even decide to do it. Yes, you did. Some part of me that is not me. No, that's definitely okay, you. Okay, this is a philosophical debate. Okay. Um, <laughs> some part of me that is not my conscious mind decided 
that it was important to save this cat and also knew how much torque to apply to the chair leg to do so. I think it, I think you probably like this could have happened and you could have like miscalculated that, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, certainly. That wasn't destined to have gone right, maybe. <laughs> no, no. I'd, I'm not aware of the the millions of alternate universes where uh, the, the guy kicked the chair leg and it made the chair fall harder on the cat. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, this sounds like, this just sounds like your powerful, like, dad instincts kicking in. Like, to protect, to protect small things in your care. Yeah. Must protect. Never attack. The same not-me brain has also done things like, you know, like when I'm tired and I'm, like, I remember riding the train home and there was a woman in front of me who, like, kind of shifted her head and that part of my brain interpreted her head as falling. <laughs> oh, my God. And I... Like, there was a filter that slammed down to stop this, but I was about to, like, reach out to catch her head. Oh, my God. So, like, <laughs> it doesn't always go well. Just just cradle a stranger's head on the train. Well, I would have hit the <laughs> back of the chair first. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like this is kind of like when I was in college – I was in the humanities, so I had a lot of papers to write, and I would like leave it to the last minute and then just sort of trust that some part of my brain that wasn't the conscious part of my brain would like pull it out. Yeah. And usually usually this this worked to some extent, but I don't think that it was like I think it was also relying on like a part of my a part of my brain that was somewhat detached from my actual like conscious self. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember once in in high school, I was in like honors biology or whatever, and we had like an entire quarter to write this like research paper, an entire quarter, and it was like supposed to be like 10 pages long. That's the longest paper in high school. It is. <laughs> Pretty much. And I definitely just wrote it the entire day and night before. Hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like stayed up until like three <laughs> o'clock in the morning writing that paper, and somehow managed to pull it out. It's the the reptile brain. Incredibly stressed out for months leading up to it because I wasn't writing it, and it would have been a lot better if I had just written it. Yeah, you might have ADHD. <laughs> we should maybe get checked out. Yeah, but I wrote it. I got an A. Hey. <laughs> That's why I married you. Uh-huh. My, my good high school grades. Right, yes. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know this, but I've been watching you since high school. <laughs> that's super creepy. You- that's, 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 that's a joke, I know. Oh. That's a joke. Okay. This woman can write a hell of a term paper. Yeah. <laughs> or rather, this teen can write a hell of a term <laughs> yes, paper. This, this 15-year-old. I'm going to marry this teenager someday. <laughs> I think we should do the next topic. This is a write-in. Miko asks, if you could submit one thing, a song, a building, a food, an activity, an abstract concept, to the interstellar community of sapient intelligences as you're part of the case for why the human race is good and cool, what would it be? We already have, like, the scientific community's answer to this. Is it Winnie the Pooh? Uh, I don't remember what's it was. Winnie the Pooh. I don't think Winnie the Pooh was included, but... Um, Winnie the Pooh is definitely the best thing that the human race has is, ever this created. This is your answer? This is your final answer? Yes. The Winnie the Pooh... Talk, okay, but, talk about frog and toad core. It's like you, Winnie the Pooh core. Winnie the Pooh core. Have you considered that Winnie the Pooh makes it sound like he's pooping? There's nothing wrong with pooping, with Jim. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I think that's the first time I've ever almost called you Winston. The, is it the first time I've deserved it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I've been thinking about that recently. Have you considered that that Winnie the Pooh is amazing? And yeah, that good. all of the people, like Eeyore is like a sad, depressed donkey uh but his friends don't care. They just hang out with him anyways and they give him and they give him thistles and honey. Mhm. 
even though a rain cloud follows him around all the time. They're like, it's cool, Eeyore. You can hang out and be sad. And Piglet is just, just has fluff for brains, uh, but they don't care. Mara, what were you saying you were thinking about? I, I was going to back you up and say that, you know, actually just today, Derek was reading to Riker from, we have a an illustrated Winnie the Pooh book. I think because we're talking about Pooh in so many other contexts with Riker around, it really just sort of, I think it does sound, it, you know, your brain does go there. <laughs> You got to reclaim the poop. That's right. You got to own it. <laughs> what would you submit? Uh, Tetris. Tetris. Ah. Yes, we're a, we're a species that is completely obsessed with lining up blocks, hmm. and so <laughs> I can I can see it. That makes sense. I think I might submit Taco Bell's cannon. Uh huh. Wait, did you say Taco Bell? Taco Bell's cannon. Yeah. <laughs> Taco Bell's cannon. <laughs> <laughs> they fire the Doritos Locos tacos at the enemy spaceships, and then they just eat them and disappear. I would submit a nacho cheese chalupa. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what did you actually say? I said Paco Bell's Cannon. Oh, I, don't, I guess I don't know what that is. It's a composer. Okay. There's a composer named Taco Bell. Yeah. He invented the chalupa. So it's the do 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 sure that song I know about that song there's been some like compelling evidence I've seen that it is actually like those chord progressions are at the root of a lot of music that we care about now, like a lot of other music and music that you would, that would surprise you. Yeah. So I feel like it would be maybe a good like bass sampler to provide for like what was going on musically over here. Thinking about it, all human art is so deeply rooted in being human that I think any of it would be a bad choice. What? Wouldn't all of it be a good choice then? Um, well, it depends if you're trying to like, if you're trying to, to convey what it's like to be human, then you want to give them human art. Yeah. But if you're trying to convince them that humans are good and cool, then maybe us like a social or scientific accomplishment. But then you're also like, uh, assuming really? that their morality is similar to yours. Look at Denmark. For, for example. Yeah, Denmark. <laughs> uh, well, it's, well it's, I don't know how to pronounce it, but the word the, the, the word for safety, the Danish word for safety. The Danish word for safety? I don't yeah. know it. I don't know it either. Okay. I'm, my Danish is rusty. Yeah, mine too. <laughs> uh, I, I think this, the, like a true answer to this question would involve like modeling a bunch of alien species and trying to come up with a common like, what is... It's it's and it's so hard to think about because we're hard to like we're hard, it's hard for us to even think about the morality of other humans. But what would be a common ground for morality or even quality that they would all largely agree on? And then you would try to figure out what aspect of of hu the human accomplishment would best fit that, like tortillas. <laughs> And and we're back to Taco Bell's cannon. <laughs> it's the most delicious cannon. I just want to make some homemade tortillas now. Yeah, well, we've got like half an hour left in this show, so. <laughs> well, we can do that later. What I'm saying is I would need to like spend 10 years writing a, like, like having with a research team writing a white paper to solve this problem. You could just watch a bunch of seasons of Star Trek and sort of think about the value, the different value systems presented there. Oh, I feel like Star Trek, uh, we talked about this on a previous episode of Topic Lords, the distinction between between sci-fi that's actually looking at towards the future and sci-fi that's just meant to reflect on our culture, but in a way that people don't get defensive about. Uh, and so, like, Star Trek, I think, is the latter kind where it's really it's really about the humans watching it, but it can 
talk about problems with our society in a way that people don't automatically get like up in arms about that's even being addressed. Yeah, I see that. I also see though that I don't know when I see like episodes that are like Ferengi based, yeah. for example, in Star Trek, I'm of course seeing like a critique of, of human capitalism. But in addition to that, I'm sort of seeing like, just broadly, these races are ways to imagine what species like ours, like, they're, they're like straw men for how you could have a value system that is built around something entirely separate from what our value system is is allegedly built around, right? Like, hmm. like we're supposed to recognize the human capitalism in the Ferengis, or or like the aggression in the Klingons, but we're also supposed to see them as alien, and they're supposed to, I don't know, provide a model for how we can think about how people who have completely different viewpoints can look at us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of an interesting. It's it's like both. I think. Mm-hmm. I can see that with those. I haven't watched enough Star Trek to be able to contribute to that conversation, unfortunately. Well, I think when you see the uh, the Ferengi homeworld dances, the traditional Ferengi dances, you'll be captivated. You'll be taken in. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to check that out later. <laughs> Maybe we'll add it to the show notes. That's right. Uh, you ready for another topic? Yeah. Yep. Mara, your topic is how earnest lessons you try to teach your children backfire. Okay. So this happens all the time with us. We like, you know, you hear a lot like your your kids aren't too young to learn about X or Y or Z. So we try to have these like really meaningful teaching moments with this distracted ball of energy who we it's hard to predict what he's actually going to pay attention to at any given time. Mhm. Like one example of this that I can think of cuz it happened today is we're riding in the car the three of us. And Riker sees like an ad for T-Mobile or something on the side of the road. And so he says to us, oh, T-Mobile, I heard that they're leaders in 5G technology. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's amazing. And this, my, my son Riker, for dear listeners, is five years old and has no idea what 5G technology is and doesn't know what T-Mobile does. So he's just parroting what he heard from a TV ad or a video ad or something like that. Mm-hmm. And Derek and I pretty much had a heart attack. And Derek starts, you know, trying to talk to him about, you know, we don't have to believe everything we hear from ads and we don't use T-Mobile. We don't have T-Mobile. You don't need to worry about this. Like, don't pay attention to the ads. and. Riker goes, oh, but you can switch. You can switch to this leading 5G technology. (laughs) 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 So he like heard this, this impassioned talk to not pay attention to ads as like saying, you know, no, we don't have it. This is not for us. And he's like, oh, but you can get it if you want it. <laughs> you can switch. This is this is horrifying. This is like one of the worst right. things I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> right. And then so so Derek is like, you know, no, really, we don't we don't want it. We don't want to switch, and we don't want you to pay attention to ads. And so we try and explain that like every company is trying to, you know, make their product sound like it's the best, but they can't all be the best and you have to do your own research. And, you know, we're going into probably way too much detail than he can reasonably absorb. And at the end of it, he goes like, okay, I won't believe anything that I hear. Uh, (laughs) wait wait hold and i feel like this sort of thing happens all the time with with kids this age because they're like i feel like we're so earnestly trying to instill in them Mm -hmm. these good values and the you know this this savviness about the world that they're really not ready for even though they may seem like it sometimes yeah. One time my mom was telling Riker and we're we're a secular household. So this was told as like a story and not as like faith or, or something to be held in faith. But my mom was telling Riker the story of Noah's Ark. And at the end of it, she says, So so what do you think about that? And he says, 
we should kill God or like we have to kill God. <laughs> oh my goodness. I mean, he is a big jerk. Well, like if if God like if your your main exposure to God is like he's coming to flood your planet and kill all your unicorns, then like Yeah. It's not a it's not a crazy response, right? But these No, yeah. it's pretty reasonable. Yeah. These things backfire in like ways that it's really hard to anticipate. And I was wondering if if I don't think that's a backfire. I think that's just your kid growing up in a healthy way. All right. Well, maybe the the first one is a better example then of exactly this <laughs> this phenomenon. But I mean, this happened with with Winston recently. He came home from school one day and started doing this thing where he was like kind of like slapping me in the face like real like gently like play slapping but like with both hands like kind of like very like flappy and he was like you're fighting you're fighting and i was just like holy shit whoa stop first of all like he, first of all he knows the word <laughs> fighting right like which is not a word we taught him um right <laughs> and secondly like you don't hit people in the face, even if it's gently. Like, you just don't do it. And third, what? Yeah. Where did this come from? Right. And he just like did it several times that day, like, and kept saying, You're fighting. Um, and he says, You're fighting when he means I'm fighting because his pronouns are still confused right now. He refers to himself as you a lot. So, so Jim asked when he dropped Winston off at school the next week, Like, are the kids fighting on? at school? Yeah. And what did they tell you? Uh, they said that there's no fighting at school, but they do talk about fighting. In there's a there was a they were reading a book called No Dave, or I think it was No David. David. Yeah. And I hadn't heard of this book, but I looked it up, and it's a book like just about an awful kid who needs to be reprimanded all the time. I guess. Yeah. Who just yes, a kid who has like a bunch of bad behaviors, and one of them is fighting, and so they're. They read this book at school to him about things that you're not supposed to do, and he just decided that that was a thing that he should do. Well, because it's the first time he heard of it. Right. Wow. And because he doesn't really just have, like, the framework for it yet, you yeah. know? Yeah. And thankfully, he, like, didn't do it anymore after that one day, but it was it was just like, wow, is this a... Should we really be putting this kid in school? Like... <laughs> He's like, like picking like, up all these bad behaviors. I mean, yeah, you know, I was just going to say, just wait until he starts uh, figuring out how to watch Super Smash videos on YouTube. Because <laughs> that day is coming and it's coming sooner than you think. <laughs> our, our kid, our kid's relationship with ads is interesting. Like Winston, when we first started letting him watch YouTube, it was all like music, children's music. Yeah. Because that's all he would watch. Right, right. And I remember doing this, like giving him my phone and he would hold the phone and watch these old, like he would watch this terrible CGI rendition of Old MacDonald had a farm wrapped. Oh, I think I know exactly the one. (laughs) Yeah. And I remember when an ad came on, he shouted no and threw the phone on the ground. (laughs) (laughs) Which like, yeah, that's my kid. I'm so so proud of you, son. And so now, like, now whenever he watches YouTube, like, you know, a lot of times we'll have him, like, watch TV while we're making breakfast or whatever. Because otherwise, he's just constantly opening the fridge and, like, trying to feed himself breakfast while we're trying to cook him (laughs) breakfast. Right. (laughs) So it's just like, oh, my God, kid, get out of our hair. (laughs) We're going to feed you. We're trying to right now. And we're working on it, buddy. Um, And so he'll be, like, watching, you know, like, Blippi or Tom the Tow Truck, because these are things he likes. And then an ad will show up, and he'll come running into the kitchen, and he'll say, got ads? (laughs) (laughs) And he wants us to to get rid of the ads. Right. And we'll come in there, we'll hit the skip ad button for him. But also, like, sometimes when we put on a video that he doesn't like, he'll say, this is ads. (laughs) It's very good. Yeah. What topic are we doing? I forget. Uh, you took the topic bucket yeah, away. Uh, Audacity switched monitors. Oh, Murder, She Wrote. Murder, She Wrote. Oh, okay. Oh, are we, okay, are we okay, doing okay. that one next? Yeah, okay. we can do that one next. I'm so excited about Murder, She Wrote. April, your topic is Murder, She Wrote is back on Prime. That's right. I think I wrote this topic like a long time ago. Yeah, it's been on Prime for a while. <laughs> but regardless, Murder, She Wrote, it's on Prime. You can also just like... Pirate it if you want. Yeah, we won't I don't tell. care. But Murder, She Wrote is great, particularly the first couple of seasons. 
is it's really good. We watch it nearly every night before bed. Oh my god, us too. <laughs> wow. Seriously, every night before bed. <laughs> so yeah, I love Murder She Wrote. I love me some JB Fletcher. Um, she's definitely the murderer. Yeah. Um, <laughs> every single episode. Every single episode. She's, she's the one. Definitely the murderer. Either that or her or her nephew Grady is. <laughs> oh yeah. Grady's a real bad boy. He's such a earnest dummy. He's such a good actor. <laughs> he hides it so well. He does. I don't know what it is about Murder, She Wrote that's just so soothing to me, but it really is incredibly soothing to watch this, like... It's very soothing. This, like, middle-aged widow just solve crime. And she's such a jet setter. She just goes everywhere and knows everyone. Yeah. And. Well, I mean, like, wouldn't we all prefer to have, to be helped by like, uh, by Jessica Fletcher than the cops? Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Like, Jessica Fletcher would have been able to deal with that party last night. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. Our neighbors had a party last night and it, it was bad. (laughs) And it kept being bad. Like, we, we. Like we we called in a noise complaint at like eleven. What was it? Ten thirty. Yeah, and then it just kept happening because our son was our son couldn't sleep, and then yeah, we and called then in another one. I called one in like, another at like eleven thirty. I called the non emergency like sheriff's line, and they were like, "Yeah, we just got another call about it. We've already been out there multiple times, but we're on our way back again." And I was just like, "How do you not know how to break up a party?" Like. What? Yeah. Like, the the noise never stopped. So, like, I really, like, didn't believe her when she said that they had been out there multiple times. Like, did the cops just, like, drive away? Did you just look at it and just be like, oh, I don't want to deal with this and just, like, drive, just keep driving? (laughs) That's probably what happened, honestly. To be fair, I don't know that JB would have done a better job. And I'm basing this on the episode where she ends up in New Orleans for Mardi Gras. I don't know why I said it like that. For Mardi Gras. <laughs> and, <laughs> Mardi Gras. And ends up like being dropped off in a party and like is just totally like twirled around this whole big partying house in New Orleans. And I feel like. Oh, I remember that. She can't. I feel like she's very good at handling individual policemen and not very good at handling large raucous parties that's fair so but maybe she could talk to the police and like get some action from that end that's yeah for sure she could have like actually gotten the police officer to get out of the the house i really didn't enjoy calling the police on my neighbors by the way but i'm also pretty sure that this was a party of my neighbors teenagers through i'm pretty sure that the neighbors were not actually there like the adults yeah I think this was like a teenager party. Oh yeah, you could we could we didn't see anybody, but like the fact that they stayed up till midnight and the music they were listening to, these were clearly young people. And they were <laughs> chanting too. It was very weird. <laughs> Who over 40 stays up until midnight? Well, yeah, and and like if it were we were listening to like late 90s jams, they'd be like, "Oh, these guys are going to knock off by 9:30. It'll be fine." <laughs> They haven't even started their Murder, She Wrote episode yet. I know. Like, <laughs> we, like, finished an episode while it was still happening. And I was like, but I'm supposed to be yeah. asleep by now. Well, I have to say, like, I think it, I think they were listening to Trap. And I don't think I would have been able to recognize a Trap version of the Murder, She Wrote theme. Mm, yeah. Maybe I would. Have you all noticed, though, that whenever they go to other countries in Murder, She Wrote, there's that version of – they do a version. But like a, like – an ethno-musical version <laughs> of the theme song for that location. I so there's, we just watched one. Didn't notice that. Where they're in Russia and they're, you know, it's, it's very, it's very Soviet. <gasps> I haven't seen a Russia one. It's very like they're trying to help defectors or spies or whatever. Oh my. And, um, and there's definitely a Russian version of the murder she wrote theme. And that happens whenever she leaves the country. Oh, we did see the one with the Russian dancers. But that was, they were defecting in America. Yeah, they weren't in Russia. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's, yeah, that's a different one. But they okay. might have a theme for that as well. I don't know. But anyway, be on the lookout. Anytime there's like a location change, the song that's playing in the background might just be like a tweaked version of 
that same like chord progression. Okay. Right. I'll pay attention to that. Pro tip. I'm glad that I'm not I'm not the only person that's really into Murder She Wrote. Oh yeah, we've got like a board game. And when I say we, I really mean I. I have dragged Derek into this and initially he was kicking and screaming, but now he's kind of into it. But initially I watched it on Netflix and this was in like this was before Riker was born. This was in like 2000 14, maybe 2015. Mm-hmm. They had the whole thing on Netflix. And I did a run and I got through season 10 and there are 12 seasons. And then they took it off Netflix <sighs> for years. And I was so like me and the whole internet, right? We're so upset about this that I ended up, Derek ended up getting me the whole series on DVD. Oh, that's, oh. that's love. I, it is love. I have all 12 seasons on DVD, and that's how we're watching them now. Wow. They're very special to me. I would save them if our building caught on fire. Oh, <gasps> that's so nice. <laughs> you don't need a wedding ring because each of those DVDs is as, as good a ring as any traditional ring. Yeah. That's right. Oh, and Halloween. I think this was Halloween 25. 25- 15, we went as uh, Jessica and Seth to a Halloween costume party, and nobody knew who we were. (laughs) Is is Seth the doctor? Yeah, Seth's the doctor. Yeah. Yeah, he's Dr. Hazlitt. So basically, we just like put talcum powder in Derek's hair and parted it in the middle, and he wore like a lab coat. (laughs) That's very good. (laughs) (laughs) So it wasn't wasn't a very legible costume. (laughs) That's fair. Winston just discovered DVDs. I have an Xbox 360 on my desk that I never play, but I just have it there. It's plugged in. And its purpose right now is to distract Winston from the other things he could be be messing with on my desk. Because he he runs up and he pushes the power button over and over again and it makes that fun beep. And then more recently, he discovered that you can push the eject button and make the disc tray come out. And then push it back in and then push the eject button again. Uh, And then he discovered that in the disc tray is a disc. And he grabbed it out of there, ran it, and put it in the shower. Because that's where he keeps things now. Um, And I took it away from him because I I want that. He he has projects. It's very good. Uh, I wanted to keep that disc, but eventually we like, I, I pulled out a, you know, a game disc I didn't care about. And I said, here, you can play with this one. And he, he put co- it in the shower. He covered, like, it was exactly the size of the shower drain and he covered the drain with it yeah. and has left it there. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's still there. <laughs> right. Uh, this is a shower we don't use because uh, it's sort of broken. I was going to ask. Yeah. <laughs> And how wet is the disc now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is a completely, it's a bone dry shower. Yep. But it has glass doors. They're so plastic. Are they plastic? Yeah, thankfully. Okay. Uh, so you can close it and it's like uh, like an enclosed, uh, a, a, a booth that you can, that he likes to go in and he likes to close the doors behind him and say, you're trapped. <laughs> I had one of those showers attached to my bedroom as a kid growing up, and my parents used it to store art. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> I mean, Winston's doing that too. <laughs> like, what I was going to talk about was when he discovered showers as a, a, a place you can have projects, his project was that he brought all of his stuffed animals and put them in the shower. And then he brought in his stool and put like four different train cars on four different shelves of the shower, like one of them, which one of which he could barely reach. And I took a photo of this. It's when it's my favorite photo of him that I've ever taken, but I have never posted it to anything on the internet because he's not wearing any pants. Because he's also a little nudist. <laughs> which makes the story so much better. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he's a. He hates pants so he's a, much. He's always shirt cocking it. I feel it, you know? Yep. Yeah. I'm not wearing pants right now. You're also shirt cocking it. I am wearing underwear though. He's he's new normally not wearing underwear. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, I did get into sweatpants a little bit during the pandemic, but for the most part, I'm like 
I, I've been anti-pants for like a decade. I'm I do like skirts and, and leggings and that's pretty much that's pretty much it. Yeah, I like skirts a lot, but I'm always gonna be a jeans girl. Like I've I've been wearing more leggings recently, but like I feel like jeans are more comfortable than 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 leggings, but skirts are more comfortable than either. Hard to do with your job though, I think. It is. It is incredibly <laughs> hard. Yes, I wear car hearts at work, which are like really thick heavy denim pants. Uh, we have time for one more topic. All right. Uh, my topic is asafoetida powder. This is a, um, a spice that I got for my birthday from a woman who lost her sense of smell because of COVID. <laughs> <laughs> that would be my sister. Yes. Yeah. I didn't want to out her. Uh, uh, she's not shy about it. Okay. Yes. I, I think the, 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 the thinking was that she went in and asked like, Hey, my my uh, my brother in law brother in law likes to cook, and what what should I give him? And the, here's an interesting thing he could cook with. And I remember like opening this up. We were at the park. And I remember opening up the um, the little jar and and sniffing at it. And it was like, oh, this is interesting. And I sniffed at it again. And then like a little bit of it just kind of went up my like blew in the wind up my nose. Mm-hmm. And then I spent the next. 16 hours with my post-nasal drip smelling like asafoetida powder, or like tasting like it, rather. Which is really unfortunate, because it's awful smelling. I, well, I like it better than you. <laughs> Absolutely atrocious. Well, with uh, it has fetid right in the name, yeah. so... <laughs> so, it smells... It basically smells like baby poop and onions. But, but also, like, kind of floral, you know? Mm. Okay. And also you hate onions. Yep. So that's a bad thing for you. It is. So like I didn't think it was as bad as you, but but we ended up like not never once cooking with this. And in Where fact Where did it go? Did you did, throw it away? We just threw it away. Okay. You wouldn't you wouldn't have it in the kitchen. That makes sense. <laughs> because like we were reading about this thing and apparently like yeah, you it said the internet said like you have to store this away from your other spices because of, it'll just make everything smell like this powder. What was it made of? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, my guess would be asafoetida. What, yeah, but what is that? Let's, yes, good idea. Let's look this up. Let's do research. Research. Dried latex exuded from the rhizome or taproot of several species of ferula, perennial herbs, herbs, British, suddenly, <laughs> growing one to 1.5 meters tall. They are part of the celery family. Okay, so it's dried latex from celery root, basically. Latex? Gum oleoresin is what the Wikipedia article says. When paired with turmeric, asafoetida powder lends a leek-like flavor to dal soup and potato, lemon, rice, or cauliflower dishes. That's the other thing is that when you cook it, it starts the, – the end result doesn't smell like the powder. Ah, it or doesn't taste like it. It tastes like, you know, a food you would actually want to eat. Mm. Much like fish sauce. According to the Wikipedia page, it is also known colloquially as devil's dung <laughs> or food of the devils. I forgot about that. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty bad. Don't smell it, folks. Uh, thankfully, when I sniffed it, it did not go into my nasal passages because I would have flipped out if that happened to me, if I had to like taste that for yeah, 16 we w- hours. We would have had to like take you to the hospital where they'd put you under general anesthesia. <laughs> oh, apparently it's it's used often in Rogan Josh, the lamb Indian dish, the Kashmiri dish. Oh. Mm-hmm. I like Rogan Josh. So I've maybe I've eaten this before and haven't haven't known I was eating the devil's dung. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we we're all eating the devil's dung right now. That's what the kids are saying. <laughs> <laughs> do you have a neti pot? I do. Should have thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> have you ever used a neti pot before? Uh, no, but I've I've done it with like a regular glass of, of saline. Mm-hmm. You know, you can you can. It's totally possible to do with a just a glass of water. Extend your proboscis. That's right. Pro tip. People of the internet, if you use a neti pot, make sure you boil your water. You don't want to put brain-eating organisms into your nasal passages because they can get into your brain and kill you. And there are brain-eating organisms that are sometimes in drinking water. But you can just put it in your stomach and that's fine. Yes, it is fine. 
the problem is is that like it, it's so close that your nose is so close to your brain that it can get through the like blood brain barrier right make sure you boil the water and then let it cool off a little bit cool 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 this is good medical advice this is a medical advice podcast now mm-hmm. <laughs> disclaimer <laughs> yeah. nobody on this podcast is a medical expert <laughs> <laughs> really is a medical expert. I think it's only doctors who legally can't give medical advice outside of their jobs. Anybody else can just say whatever they want. Hmm. What's the point of even being a doctor? Uh, You can be exploited by hospital administrators. Right. Good times. Huh. Well, we did it. Yeah, that's uh, that's a good episode of Topic Lords. Hooray! Hooray! April, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Um, you can follow me on Twitter. I'm at AprilSaur, A-P-R-I-L-S-A-U-R. And Mara, if this is something that you want, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, it hasn't come up much, but I'm a rare book librarian, and I have a Twitter account uh, for that part of my life, and it's at M-C-A-E-L-I-N-L. Wow, you just they just let you have that Twitter name. They did. It's mine. I guess you did make up that last name, so it's not very common. I did. <laughs> we did We did a similar thing. It's true. <laughs> there are dozens of us. Dozens. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for being on. It was good to talk to you, Mara. Yeah, it was great. Yeah, great to talk to you both. Hi, this is Jim. This is the audio I append to every episode of Topic Lords. Congratulations to our newly anointed lords. If you'd like more people to hear the show, you can tell your friends about it, or rate and review us on whatever podcast service you use. You can add content to the Topic Bucket by emailing topicbucket at topiclords.com. You can contribute to our Patreon at patreon.com topiclords. Patrons get episodes a week early, and you get access to the Topic Lords Discord, where you can discuss topics with all the lords that hang out in there. See you next episode.